Hello, friends, and welcome to Sober Speak, episode number Trace. That's three for those of you who do not know Spanish. But anyway, here at Sober Speak, you will find podcasts of people who share their experience, strength, and hope, much like you do at a speaker meeting. These men and women will tell us about their experience, strength, and hope centered around the 12 steps of recovery. SoberSpeak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. For more information, go to our website, SoberSpeak.com. And please remember that we do not speak for any 12-step community. We are only here to share our experience, strength, and hope of recovery with those who would wish to hear it. Okay, so once again, we're here for episode number three, and I am so excited about this particular interview. This is my good friend, and he's laughing, but I'm excited about it. This is my good friend, Clay D. I have known Clay D for, how long have I known you for now, Clay? What do you think, 20 years? Oh, at least more than, well, so Georgetown started 25 years ago, so at least yeah. that long. Right. So it's a long time. And why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners before we get started what your sobriety date is, sir? I got sober on March 27th, 1974. March 27th, 1974. Now that's been a while. Yeah, 44 years if I stay sober this March. My goodness. One day at a time. That is fantastic to hear. Um, so why don't we go back to the to the beginning then. Let's talk a little bit about your experience, uh, strength and hope where sobriety is concerned. So ta- take us back to the beginning, Clay. What, what, uh, what prompted your... your uh, 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 beginnings in the recovery world, if you will. What what got you? I mean, I know in general what got you in, <laughs> but is there some particular moment or some turning point that you can point to that got you going down this road? Well, I was, uh, I'm a career Navy man. I retired with 20 years only because of uh, sobriety. I was able to retire with 20 years of sobriety. But the uh, uh, reason I ended up in Alcoholics Anonymous was <clears throat> the first time was in uh, June of 1973. I was a flaming alcoholic, and in uh, the 70s, if you were a sailor and uh, <laughs> and an alcoholic, then you uh, because everybody overdrank, right? And uh, uh, so uh, uh, you're in pretty bad shape. <laughs> and I was young in those days, and the uh, uh, I had blackouts. My blackouts started going not just from not remembering where I parked the car the night before, who I was with, or if I was with anybody, uh, to days at a time. And and that was probably a little spooky, but I somehow showed up at work on time. I didn't give a shit if my wife, you know, was pissed at me. She was always pissed at me. <laughs> but uh, um, I... Uh, I really cared about my Navy career. It's about the only thing. This is my second wife, by the way. Right. By the time I was uh, 22, I had been uh, uh, divorced, had a child, and uh, uh, remarried and had another child. And so you can, you can see a very unhealthy pattern. <laughs> right. Because uh, I was a teenage alcoholic, uh, you know, from the time I was 15, I took that uh, addiction into the Navy. And the Navy just uh, enhanced it. Right. Uh, so then, uh, but what happened was I... 
uh, lied. I was an intelligence analyst, which in and of itself is a, a scary proposition because <laughs> when you don't know what you're doing for days, it'll whack. So you're drinking like you're drinking, and you're an intelligence analyst in the Navy at the same time. Yes. I'm I'm getting up. My wife uh, thought I was a very dedicated sailor because I'm getting up at uh, 5.30 every morning and uh, getting ready and going to work uh, because there was a Navy stag bar right down from where we lived <laughs> that uh, it, uh, opened up at 6 o'clock for sick call. And if you were one of the first three customers there, you got two pal drinks or free drinks. <laughs> <laughs> that was important to me. What were they called? Pal drinks? Like P-A-L? Yeah. Like a friend. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would uh, drink from 6 to uh, 7.30, drive like hell to get to work. And then at noon, every noon was from 11.30 to 1, I'd go over to the club on base and drink my lunch with some other alcoholic friends of mine. We just thought we were sailors. We didn't think we were alcoholics. <laughs> but uh, And so long story short, I get into, uh, into one of these blackouts. I... Uh, had asked uh, the guy I worked for, the Navy commander I worked for, if it's okay if I go pick up an uncle at the airport, in the Honolulu airport, house station in Hawaii. And uh, he says, sure. I didn't have an uncle. I just <laughs> had, had, you know, you get, you get one of these toots going, you just don't want to let them go. <laughs> so I, uh, I went into one of these blackouts, and uh, four days later, through Linda, they got a hold of me in one of these uh, uh, stag bars I hung out in. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, I remember what happened because uh, uh, I, I came out of it. I'm in this thing, and I'm standing at the end of the bar, and there's this uh, real crass barmaid uh, who uh, answered this phone, and you know, the old rotary phones in those days, and said, Clay, your commander's on the phone, and boy, is he pissed. <laughs> and so she drags the phone down to me, and, and of course I got everybody in the bar looking at me. And so I proceed to tell him on the phone that uh, what I thought he could do with the U.S. Navy, uh, St. <laughs> Pack Fleet Headquarters, and Intelligence Division, and uh, hung up on him. And, uh, Not I, a good career No, I, I had no idea what I was thinking. I'm already four days UA, unauthorized absence, and so... Uh, I go in the next morning. I didn't stop and get my pal drinks, which was a mistake. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't have the shakes. I have the leaps. I'm coming out of my skin. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God. It was, and so I go in there, and this guy started chewing my ass. And he went up one side and down the other and back up and back down again. And you know, John, when you're in these crazy moments that we get into uh, when we're in our cups like mm -hmm. that, I was always able to come up with some, no matter how insane it was, some insane, ridiculous reason of why I did what I right, did. Right. This was the first time in my life I could not come up with some insane, ridiculous reason that at least I could believe. Right, right. I was just just lost in my mind. Is it going? And he's a chewing. My mind's a going. He's a chewing. Mm -hmm. And finally he says, do you think you might be alcoholic? And man, it was like a light bulb went off inside my head. Big tears rolling down my chest. Oh, my God, yes, Commander. I didn't think anybody would ever find out. And I'm so relieved. I said, oh, God, yes, and this has been on my back forever. I brought it into the Navy with me. And he says, well, I'll tell you what I do. Because he had a report chip recommending court-martial on, on his desk. He said, I'm going to put this recommendation for court-martial in uh, my pending box. If you'll go over and see a guy named Shep and do everything he says. Shep. 
and Shep was ended up being my first sponsor. Uh, well, it worked. He, uh, I got out of the court martial, and um, uh, but I didn't do everything Shep told me to do. I uh, uh, I relapsed on that was June of '73. I relapsed in January, in fact, January 6 of 1974. On the 24-hour day book, which was the only daily reflections book we had in those days, yeah. it says on there the most important decision you'll ever make is the decision not to take the first drink. Right. I obviously didn't read that page that day, <laughs> and uh, so I relapsed. And I can't tell you much happened from January 6th to March 27th. It's just stuff Linda, my wife, and some other people have put on me. I obviously didn't get in too much trouble because uh, I wasn't getting recommended for court-martial again or captain's master or anything like that. But what happened was, uh, you know, our literature talks about uh, we're at that jumping-off place we will wish for the end. Right. That first stint in AA, when I had that horrible relapse, that I was drunk all 24-7 almost, and uh, it made me realize, I, I, you know, we had to concede to our innermost self that we were a real alcoholic. Right. I couldn't deny it. And like, uh, like I said, the literature says, uh, I, I was at that point where I, I, I couldn't imagine living without drinking, and I could not imagine... Uh, uh, living without it. And I had an old beat up Volkswagen Beetle. I mean, this thing was a piece of junk. Uh, I used to throw beer cans in the back of the little well, the back seat of yeah. it. And uh, uh, we, uh, I got in that, I, I figured out, look, I'm screwing up another little kid, another wife, I'm not gonna do that again. And I know I can't, I can't possibly stay in the Navy and not drink. How can a sailor be in the Navy and not drink? <laughs> That's right. And that was as real as real could be for me. And so uh, I was going to get in that car, get it up on the uh, freeway and drive it as fast as I could into a cement pylon so that uh, my wife and daughter could uh, get the life insurance right. that the Navy would provide. I went into a blackout. All I can tell you is my last drink was a bottle of Ripple, and I went ahead and walked to that car, I remember opening the car door, and I can't tell you a thing after that until that night I'm sitting in my chair in my living room, and Linda, my wife, is on her knees in front of me saying, is it okay if I call Ken, who lived in the Navy housing uh, four or five doors down from us, who was in the program? Yeah. And so I just nodded my head up and down because I couldn't even say anything. Yeah. And so Ken came over, and that was March 27, 1974. That was the day of my last drink. March 27, 1974. Uh, Go figure. <laughs> so, do you remember your first meeting? And so, this was all over in Hawaii, correct? Correct. Do you remember your first meetings that you went to and some of your first uh, uh, encounters with Shep and some of the basics that he taught you back in the beginning? Well, you have to understand, first of all, it was all Navy guys, Navy Marine Corps guys, military guys. <clears throat> so, it was kind of a militaristic hardcore plus AA was hardcore in those yeah. days it's not the kind gentle oh keep coming back <laughs> sweetheart type AA we enjoy today uh, but uh, uh, there was yeah, I mean, he's, uh, typically, my, I thought my name was asshole for my first six months of sobriety. <laughs> uh, I really did, because th that was my term of endearment. Hey, asshole, you still sober? <laughs> Every time I'd come into a meeting. It, it, they were really pushed, especially part of that was I was younger than everybody at the meetings I went to in those days by yeah. about 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And so they, uh, one time I stood up and gave this 
wonderful rendition of uh, uh, if you don't go to meetings, you'll drink, and this is what happened to me. And uh, some guy stood up and said, why don't you sit down and shut up, asshole? Everybody in here knows how to get drunk. You need to shut up and learn how to listen so you can listen to learn how to stay sober. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there were several times. And Shep, bless his heart, I couldn't have asked for a better sponsor. Yeah. I mean, he tough love, but real love. Um, and, so, and so I know a little bit, how long was Shep your sponsor? You say he was your first sponsor, but how long was he your sponsor? Uh, all, all up until three years ago, until he passed right. with 53 years of sobriety gotcha. on his own. So, so yeah. 40 plus years of sobriety, 40 plus years he was your sponsor. Yes. And then he passed three years ago. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah, he was quite a guy. Right. He's a retired chief. Yeah. So uh, tell me then a little bit about... Uh, um, uh, some of the adversity that you have experienced, because tell me about some some points within your sobriety where you have experienced some sort of adversity or challenge, and how you have leaned into the program and how the twelve steps have helped you through those processes. Well, my first uh, year or two, uh, uh, first of all, I need to say when I came into AA, I did not believe in God at all. I can't say I was an atheist. I was just raised by a mom and dad that didn't believe in God. They thought anybody who went to church was hypocrites. Uh, I was, my moral uh, turpitude was pretty much non-existent. The uh, uh, do unto others before they do unto you. Right. Take, take all you can take before you get caught. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the household that I was raised in. My dad was a chronic alcoholic. Mm. Um, so... I remember going to Shep this, during this period of sobriety when I first came back, and I really wanted it. I didn't think I could get it, and I wanted what uh, all you people had, but I didn't think I could get it. And I told him, I said, you want me to pray to God, G-O-D, uh, yet I don't believe in God, G-O-D, for help to stay sober every morning and then thank him every night. <clears throat> and Shep, who was a devout Catholic man himself mm -hmm. uh, and spiritual, more spiritual than anybody I've ever known, mm -hmm. uh, puts his hand on my shoulder, which was never a good thing for these guys. <laughs> and he says to me, he says, well, how well did your way work? And I said, well, you know, it didn't work very well at all. And he said, well, why don't you try praying to whom it may concern? God doesn't care what he's called, only that he's called. And so on my drive home from that meeting that night, I remembered that Shep, Ed, Pete, DR, uh, One-Legged Joe, uh, uh, Stuber, <laughs> Stuberter Bob, everybody had nicknames. In the, that's why I started calling myself Clay D. Clay D, right. Well, I went up to, uh, to this guy named Paul. I said, hey, I need one of those nicknames. <laughs> and he says, uh, well, you got one. I said, well, I didn't know. What is it? He said, asshole. <laughs> and I said, I want something different. <laughs> And he said, why don't you just call yourself Clay D? It wasn't that there was a bunch of Clays running around at the time. <laughs> so, I mean, that's made sense to me. So I've been Clay D ever since then. You had to keep up with one-legged Joe and the light. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really only had one leg. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, the adversity that I... Uh, first bout of adversity, I was nine months sober. My dad was dying. He'd been dying for a year. And... Um, my mom and sister called me and said, you better get home when you can. Uh, Dad might not make it very much longer and say goodbye. Well, I had orders to go. Uh, I was going to go work at, actually uh, at the Alcohol Rehab Center at Pearl and from Sink, Sink Back Fleet from what I was doing. And so uh, I knew that 
once I got into a new command, it'd be a lot harder to leave than if I left between commands. Yeah. And so uh, my sponsor and Linda and I, we sat down and uh, decided I'd go home and make my aloha to dad and uh, while he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he had stopped drinking at this time. Uh, and so anyway, uh, that was January uh, 10th. January 11th is my belly button birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, on January 12th, he went into the hospital and I stayed with him uh, morning, noon and night. I got to tell him how sorry I was for all the shitty things I had done. And he got to tell me how sorry he was for all the shitty things he had done. Yeah. And it was a real heartfelt uh, thing. And I'm still struggling with this. Okay, I'm just doing what Shep told me to do spiritually. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not in a big belief system yet. Yeah. And so um, then... Uh, so tell me, Clay, why did that hit you so hard? And why does it mean so much even 40 plus years later to you, that time that you had with your father? Can you talk about that a little bit more? Sure, just the forgiveness of it all. Yeah. The forgiveness of myself, the forgiveness of my dad, yeah. my dad's uh, wanting me to forgive him. Yeah. Uh, it's the meat and potatoes of the program. Right. And I'm so new, I don't even appreciate fully right. what it is until after the fact. Uh, uh, because I'm still still full of a lot of ego. and But the good news is, on January 14th, I was scheduled to get on a plane at 4 o'clock to go back to Hawaii, and my yeah. dad died at 2 o'clock on that oh, day. Wow. And I got to be there, and of course I got the uh, leave extended, and uh, I was of, of service to my mom and my, and my sister, and yeah. uh, got to help do all the things you need to do to help bury somebody that important in your life. And with my dad, who, even in spite of his alcoholism, uh, I admired him more than I can ever tell you. Uh, He left in 1975. He's only 56 years old. And um, Shep really became, in my life, as my second dad. Right. Uh, It's because he was 22 years older than me. Right. And so uh, I was just very blessed that way. But then right after that, so that's my ninth month of sobriety. Uh-huh. And then uh, I celebrate my first year of recovery in uh, March. Linda's pregnant with uh, our son, Cliff. We were going to name him Chad. And yes. just so the audience knows, Linda is your, my wife. your beautiful bride. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, she's my bride. Uh, and so um, yeah, we'll, we'll be celebrating, on Valentine's Day, we'll be celebrating 48 years of marriage. Wow. To let you know that Alan on an AA do work. That's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was times where they'd take bets, the first one that died won. <laughs> so, so anyway, Cliff was born, and Cliff yeah. was born um, with albinism. And uh, the man, he has no pigment. Uh, uh, and the doctors at that time at Tripler Army Hospital said, if you wrap him up like a mummy, he might, and he get off the islands of uh, of Hawaii, he might live till he's 18 years old. And just in case the uh, audience didn't hear that, that word is albinism, right? Which is yes. a, 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 a basically an, an albino, correct? Albino, he is an albino. Right, yeah. right. Okay. And so anyway, he has uh, no pigment. Pigment, he's legally blind uh, because the macula doesn't develop without pigment in your eye fully. Uh, but he's a remarkable guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, back then, you know, I was just crushed. And so we had, at Linda's insistence, because she loved my dad so much, instead of using the name Chad, she said, let's name him after your dad, Cliff. And so that's how we uh-huh. named Cliff uh, after my dad's name. Uh-huh. 
And so, uh, and one day after we found out he's, uh, oh, uh, Linda called me right at the night she had him. Uh, I remember I went to young people's meeting uh, the day he was born and uh, was, you know, bragging, telling everybody, oh, I got my first sober baby, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, and then she calls me up that night about two in the morning and says, can you come to the hospital? Uh, Cliff's, there's something wrong with Cliff. He has albinism. And so, I, man, I'm barely doing the serenity prayer. I think I might be doing the third step prayer at this point in my recovery um, on, a ra- on a daily basis. Uh, and so I'm, I get dressed, jump in the car. I'm driving as fast as I can in the hospital. And uh, uh, I come up to the red light. Uh, the light was red before I turn left to go up the hill to the har- uh, Army Hospital. And the thought hits me. Clay, you don't even know what the hell an albino is. Right. And I don't. I didn't. <laughs> and, and a peace came over me. Right. And so that was kind of my first, one of my first real spiritual experiences. And, uh, and I, had, I had several. Now I know I did. But that was one that I really recognized in early sobriety. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, fast forward. Uh, um, the guy I worked for uh, was great big guy named Pete Peterson, former pro, uh, pro wrestler who was the director of the alcohol rehab. Uh, I'm in his office one morning. And he's, and <laughs> Wait a sec. Wait, let me get this straight. This guy's a former pro wrestler, oh, yeah. and he's head of the rehab, and you're yeah. in his office one morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's he, just an interesting picture that I've got there. Uh, he, he was a yeah, uh, gentle giant. Yeah, he was yeah. just a gentle giant. But Pete was, a, again, all those guys were no-bullshit kind of guys, you know? Do you have any idea what his uh, wrestling name was? Do you oh, I have no idea. Okay. He, he probably told me. But, uh, <laughs> but he, I, I, I'm sitting there on the couch across from his desk, and, uh, and I'm really kind of depressed or whatever, angry, resentful. Mm-hmm. My dad dies, my baby's born, and named him after my dad, and he's got albinism, and yeah. doctors are telling me he might live till he's 18, and I'm not feeling very spiritual. Right. And uh, one of the things these guys did all the time is, are you happy about your sobriety? And of course, you always said yes, so why don't you tell your effing face? Right. You know? <laughs> and so, anyway, he says, uh, uh, he, he, we go through that little drill, and uh, and he can sit, and I, and I say, you know, he said, I don't feel happy about sobriety at all. Not one bit. I said, uh, and I don't want to hear any bullshit about God either. You know, mm-hmm. this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. And, and where in the hell is God in the middle of all this? And Pete got up around and sat down next to me and put his arm around me. And he said, God must love you a lot. Because why would he wait until now? when you're this sober, right. to give you this opportunity to raise a special child. Right. And that was another spiritual awakening. Right. That hit me. Right. That hit me in the heart. Right. And so, after that, every day, I looked at Cliff as a gift. Right. And he's a pain in the ass, but he's right. still a yeah. gift. <laughs> and I know that yeah. young man. Well, not young anymore, but yeah, he he's got 18 a, years of yeah. recovery of his own now. So, uh, 18 years now? Yeah. My goodness. He's, he's doing really well. Yeah. He's got an MBA. He's starting his own company. His wife's getting a PhD over in London. and uh, Looks like he made it past 18 years old. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Uh, he's 40-something. Right. 
and Pete the Wrestler knew what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, Pete the Wrestler did. Right. You ever heard the line they say, uh, uh, God God will never give you more than you can handle? And, and some days I think, he must have me confused with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shep's favorite line was, you know, these are just opportunities to grow. Yeah. Well, I'd be a friggin' fir tree by now. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> But that's also when uh, Shep, uh, around that time, Shep started introducing me to the uh, uh, what he called the uh, practical application of the third step prayer. Yeah. Because he had me, in fact, Shep's criteria for sponsorship, he'd go up to a guy, or a guy would go up to Shep and say, will you be my sponsor? And Shep would say, uh, well, I have two criteria. And uh, they'd say, me included, well, what's that? He says, can you count to 12? Well, yes. <laughs> Are you willing to pray with me? Shep would not sponsor you if you wouldn't do the third step prayer with him. Well, let him do it with you. Right. Uh, and so uh, the third step prayer became a very important uh, action for me through Shep's insistence of it because it was like I could offer Cliff up to God to do with him as he wished, relieve me of the bind Cliff of the bondage of ourselves and right. we might better do your will. And that served me with my marriage, with my children, with my grandchildren now, and uh, with pains in the ass that you want to punch, but you don't dare. Because, right. Because you got to stay spiritual. <laughs> and I can tell you from uh, personal experience that, uh, Cl- uh, that Clay D also... Uh, offers up this with friends and people that he sponsors and such because I have called him in times of struggle in my darkest hour and he has shared that particular experience with me the practical application of the third step prayer and it has worked uh, beautifully yeah. and so yeah it's pretty pretty neat deal so um, so tell me then uh, a little bit about your um, uh, your 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 family because I know you have a beautiful family and about your life nowadays and about what you've experienced in recovery up to this point. Uh, I know it's hard to cover forty four years and yeah. you know two or three minutes, but just in general, um, uh, I, I know that you you and your family are involved in recovery and and how that has all come about and just share anything that you want to around that arena. Well, fortunately, my wife got very involved. In- Al-Anon, actually, before I did, uh, gotten very involved in recovery. But for, uh, oh, I don't know, 12, 15 years, we just had a wonderful, marvelous life. And then I retired from the Navy, got involved in uh, working for corporations and uh, trying to climb the corporate ladder. Yeah, yeah. had the Navy chains off of me. (laughs) I didn't have to wait a certain amount of time to make more money. And... Uh, long story short, uh, I, I had quit. I stopped praying. Uh, I stopped going to meetings on a regular basis, uh, and I did not drink. But I went into a horrible dry drunk, and uh, it manifested itself in uh, what's frequently called a thirteenth step. Or unfortunately, it wasn't with somebody uh, in the program. Thank God. Uh, but it was just part of my isms, I guess, and. Uh, uh, and it was horrible. And, and, and to show you how sick the alcoholic mind is, I knew, well, I didn't care about the person I got involved with at all, uh, but I, my ego was such, and I'd gotten so far away from my spiritual center so, so fast that um, 
I convinced myself I must not love my wife because somebody as wonderful as me wouldn't do something that shitty. <laughs> and and that's how sick, right. that, how sick, that's where alcoholism will take you. Certainly that's where it took me. Mm-hmm. And it was real difficult to come out of that. And because of the love of that wonderful woman you just talked about yeah. uh, and uh, the love we both have of God and uh, I got back into the program. I had a guy I went up to uh, Dallas North and asked him uh, if he would uh, take me through the steps because I, I really appreciated the program he had. And he said, uh, well, how you've got twice as much sobriety as I do. I said, I don't have a day of sobriety compared to you. I just haven't drank. And that's just a gift of God for whatever I did before. But I need sobriety and you've got it and I want you to take me through the steps. And he did. And so then I went, after that ordeal, I just went to Shep, made all the amends there, got on a plane, went over to Hawaii. Then I went to uh, uh, Florida, there was a dear friend of mine that I'd gotten sober with there, and I felt like I, he needed to know everything about me. Yeah. And I did another uh, fifth step there. I did about five fifth steps. Yeah, <laughs> so there. Long, yeah. And uh, and it was tough. Uh, you know, it was tough, but uh, Linda and I were able to put it back together. Uh, uh, my kids, who were teenagers at the time, one was in college, uh, had never seen their dad drunk. Uh, but they saw him crazy. Right. And uh, that they were able to better understand what alcoholism looks like because alcoholism isn't about drunkenness; it's right. about insanity. Right. And and that's what happened. And so what I learned by that, and and I mean I really learned this first by uh, not drinking, just putting the plug in the jug. Uh, then we get sane, uh, uh, like the second step says. Uh, came to believe a power greater self could restore us to sanity with mental, emotionally, and the third one is spiritually. You know, we turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand Him. And when we relapse, we do the exact opposite. We let the, the spiritual part go first, right. then we let the sanity go first, and then we'll pick up a drink. Right. I got very close to picking up a drink, and thank God I didn't. Right. Uh, so the only reason why I have the years that you're bragging about, uh, uh, I don't take a lot of credit for that. I understand. I, uh, I'm very grateful I didn't pick up that drink because right. I'm one of those alcoholics that truly believes I would have never made it back. Right. I'm just that crazy. Only by the grace of God. Yeah. And I'm the same way, Clay. You know, I have people come up every once in a while and say, you should be very proud of yourself, so to speak, for the years of sobriety you have. And, you know, it's interesting when somebody says, you at work or you did something that, uh, you know, out there in, in, you know, in the job world. Uh, somehow I can take some sort of sense of a little bit of pride. But when somebody says you should be proud of yourself for having that sobriety, it's like, oh, there's just something inside of me that goes, oh, you don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's the grace of God. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. I know you mean well. Um, but um, only by the grace of God. Why did he reach down, pick me up by the scruff of the neck, and show me into Alcoholics Anonymous and all these years that I have uh, sober thus far, like we always say, one day at a time. Don't know why he picked me, but I'm very grateful he did. Okay, so let's talk then real quickly uh, about if somebody's coming in new to the program, mm-hmm. right? And they're thinking, what do I need to know in order to stay sober? What do I need to know about recovery? Um, you know, what are the things that I can do? What would you recommend? Uh, what worked for you on the front end? What can help me get this sobriety one day at a time? Not 44 years, right? But just my one day. What, what, what do they need to know? 
Uh, first thing you need to know is not to drink. Right. You know, if you don't drink, you don't get drunk. <laughs> but I came up in AA at a period of time where that you weren't ostracized if you drank. You know, you, you we drug them into the meetings drunk. You know? Right. You know, <clears throat> uh, my motto is keep coming back whether you drink or not, because uh, the ma magic can't happen unless you're available for the right. magic to happen. So be in but, the rooms. But I think the thing, and again, I'm old school, and I know that, and I, I I've feel like, at least, I've tried to adapt well to the changes of AA and the, the vast amount, the fact that the bottom's been raised. Yeah. That the, the, the bottom has been raised sufficiently enough to where people are coming in without as much hurt, uh, with a lot still going on for them. Consequently, they it's harder for them to fully concede to their innermost selves that they're real alcoholics until they have had a relapse or two. And that's why our literature says, go out and drink. Shit, I'm, I'm an advocate. Hell, let me buy it for you. <laughs> I mean, if you get past this horse shit that you're, you're involved in, then let's get it on. <laughs> right. So uh, I think the thing that uh, helps me and I only know how to sponsor people the way I was sponsored, and it's no bullshit type sponsorship. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're full of shit, I'm gonna say, you know, that's a nice way of looking at it, but that's full of shit. You're just <laughs> completely and totally just lying to yourself. And because if I don't tell you that, if I don't love you that much, I'm not gonna love me that much, and I'm gonna start fooling myself. And I don't help you because I'm an obi joyful, gracious guy. Uh, I really don't. I do it to save my butt. But in saving my butt, I get such grateful, grateful uh, appreciation to have a purpose in life that I didn't dream a guy like me could ever have. That's right. Uh, okay, so um, I want you to tell me, first of all, I want, I want the audience to know that before we actually started this uh, recording session, uh, Clay looked over and he goes, is it okay for me to cuss? And I'm like, you have at it. <laughs> you are a sailor. You be afraid. And that's what Clay does. He cusses. And, uh, and I love it. He's very authentic. Uh, he's vulnerable. Uh, he's open. He's willing. He's honest. And I just love Clay being Clay. Uh, but I want you to tell, I'm going to, you have told the story and I've heard you tell it before about the progression of not caring about what sort of condition you're in when you were when you're driving that VW I think over in uh, Hawaii and you said at first you were very scared kind of driving down the road so so tell that that, I, that wasn't the VW that was cars I was stealing okay okay yeah okay so don't talk actually, about that actually I borrowed them I never stole them okay. I never kept any of them yeah. Uh, and it really wasn't always my fault. <laughs> you see, back in the day, when I met Linda, I picked her up in a bar in Waikiki in 1969. Yeah. And uh, the bars all closed at 2 o'clock in those days. I'd already totaled a car drunk, and so I didn't have a car to drive. And I'd always get a ride to Waikiki so I could spend time with her. And uh, and she was a good girl. You know, out of It was the 60s, and out of... 50 million uh, young women in Hawaii, I find the only good girl that was over there. <laughs> so so uh, she always uh, let, let me walk her home, and then it's 2 in the morning, but the buses quit running at midnight. Now, that's a hell of a dilemma when i got to get 12 miles out to Pearl Harbor where I live. And so in those days, 
you know, especially the warm weather and that, cars all parked along the apartment area. If you ever know anything about Hawaii, Alawai Canal, it's just apartment, 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 uh, condo, condo, condo. And so people just parked on the street. They left their windows down. They leave keys in the car. So I just walk along uh, for a few blocks till I found a car with had keys in it. So I jump in the car. First time I did it, you know, I'm always a little bit uh, overserved in condition. And so first time I did it, though, I'm, I'm driving down the freeway back to Pearl Harbor. And, I mean, my eyes are glued to that rearview mirror waiting for that blue light to come on. And uh, didn't do it. So I, I parked the car in a um, um, grocery store parking lot across from the apartments that I lived in, in IAEA. And so uh, next night I did it. Uh, looking a few times in the mirror, turn the radio on, listening to music. Third time I did it, I got the window down, my arm hanging out, <laughs> coasting down the highway with my arm over the steering wheel, singing along to the music. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I probably borrowed in the neighborhood of 15, 20 cars <laughs> over, the, over a period of time that I dated her. Uh, always parked them in the same place. Those were in my Navy intelligence analyst days. <laughs> so why I never got caught, my fingerprints had to be all over everything. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. But that, uh, I really didn't think of it as stealing, right. you know. Right. If, if they didn't want you to take it, they wouldn't have left their keys in their car. Or if uh, the public transportation wouldn't quit so damn early, right. yeah. you know, at it's least wait till barge closed. Right, it's their fault. It's the public <laughs> transportation. <laughs> All right, Clay. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate your your friendship. I appreciate you coming over here. Uh, into we have Clay D in the house tonight. <laughs> well, I sure love you. I love you too, my friend. Thank you, brother. I'm going to go ahead and close it up here with something from the Big Book. From those of you reading along at home, this is page 164 from Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us. May God bless you and keep you until then. This is Sober Speak. Once again, if you need any more information about us, go to SoberSpeak.com. Thanks for joining us today. God bless all.